Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to, to get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 94 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Soul Eater episodes 22 through 25, where you put your skin on one arm at a time, a toilet might make a great husband, and happiness makes you throw up. Yeah, I mean, haven't you ever been so happy that you threw up, you know, and so sad you threw up, and also so sick that you threw up? And also so bored that you threw up. I've been like, all of those except the sick one. Like I'm, I'm worried that that you have a problem. You have I gotta get through a lot. Let's jump in. I feel like hey everybody, you have a kid on the way, like really soon. Your first kid, yeah. And I just feel like this is gonna, like, I don't think in a couple of months we would have been able to do that intro. <laughs> it would be too triggering. <laughs> so hey everybody, um, I was just, uh, I was just thinking about this. Uh, so uh, uh, upcoming, uh, pretty soon, um, we are going to be. Um, I don't know if we've decided to take a break or just record a bunch of episodes before uh, The Impending Child, Um, but uh, just so you know, you're either going to hear a little bit of a backlog or you might be getting some Blake-only episodes for a little bit, Um, but uh, just be aware of that coming up. I I just wanted to let everybody know. I've actually randomly been considering what it would be like to have Blake-only episodes, because there's, there's like, not, like, anime necessarily, but there's a few other things where I'm like, I think there should be a podcast about this. And I was like, I don't know. I, I there's, I, so I started listening to Tighten Up the Defense, um, and I'm in mm-hmm. the early episodes when it used to be Teen Titans Wasteland. Mm-hmm. And it, they've been going for a while, so I don't know how it's changed uh, or if this aspect of it has changed, but the show's, it's two brothers. It's just called two brothers. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's these, these two brothers that get together and discuss an, an issue of teen Titans. And then later on, they also, I think rotate in the defenders. And, um, but at the start of each episode, the first like five, 10 minutes is just one of the brothers by himself. It's like giving you the synopsis and it's like, there's little jokes that he'll throw in, but it just like, it's weird that he does it by himself and the jokes just don't work as well when you're by yourself. So <laughs> be an interesting challenge, <laughs> but yeah, yeah who knows? I mean, so, okay. This episode's coming out on the eighth. So we mm-hmm. will have, one episode after this before I get married and mm-hmm. I, I'll be out of town for almost a full week for the mm-hmm. wedding, which you're also coming to. And yeah. so we may or may not have an episode the week after this one that is a new episode. And then like a month after that, you're ex- the, the birth of your kid is expected around that time. Cause I don't know if you guys know kids, 
they don't always come out on the exact date that you tell them to. So we mm-hmm. don't know for sure when it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to get the kid to like fall in line and just won't listen. Um, mm. So just really stubborn and it's stupid. And we're just trying to plan a podcast, you know, and I just feel like that's really important. And this like random child, it like, it, so anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> who knows Welcome what's going to happen. Welcome back to the Blake is the most selfish show. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like I'm being very, very kind and altruistic here. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, so who anyway. knows? Keep your eyes peeled. We will definitely be getting back to normal at some point, but it might not be normal for a little while here in the next couple of months. Yeah, just so everybody knows. Um, in the meantime, um, there's not much other stuff for us to go over before we start this episode. Yeah, I um, two... so I kind of. Huh. I was going to say I have two quick things. Oh yeah, sure. Um, I wanted to reiterate my friend Dane has a comic. I talked in depth about that last week, uh, but I know not everybody listens to all of the episodes. So if you were not here last week, my friend Dane Styler has released an anthology uh, sort of sci-fi fantasy series of comics called Distant Shores. It's available on Comixology. The first um, issue was three superhero style stories the most recent issue was more in the horror genre involving like vampires and ghosts and werewolves and stuff so um if any of those things are interesting to you uh look it up see if it might be to your tastes the author is dane styler s-t-y-l-e-r and the series is called distant shores you can find it by searching his name or the name of the comic on comiXology and there's not really any other results so it's really really easy to find um it's also on instagram um distant shores.comics so if you want to take a peek there and see what the art style is like to see if that interests you i think the art's really great so take a peek see if you're into it and uh, buy the comic if you are so that you can support a uh, creator that we happen to know or that i happen to know spencer will meet at my wedding And then um, also, I just, while we were trying to figure out why the phone call wasn't going through, I read a quick article about Japanese Domino's are now doing a Sundere pizza. (laughs) And they are (laughs) targeting the uh, otaku market specifically. And it is a pizza that is just jalapenos. (laughs) Like, it's, it's like... Because the, the idea of Sundari is like somebody who's kind of spicy and fiery, but they're, it, that's the soon part. And then Dere is like, it's mitigated, is a, a really layman's description and maybe not fully accurate, but there you go. So the idea is that you have the uh, giant mound of jalapenos that looked like, it looked like a pizza that was overrun with mushrooms, but it was not mushrooms, it was jalapenos. <laughs> And then there's like the the cheese and I guess the probably the regular red sauce. So they said like the cheese is supposed to have like the cooling effect, so the jalapenos aren't super overwhelming, but the jalapenos give the like spicy sinsin part. So if you are in Domino's Japan, which it is currently exclusive to, you can get that pizza and tell us what you think. <laughs> That's well, it. that 
that that important piece of information said, <laughs> let's just go ahead and jump into these episodes. So, so previously on Soul Eater. <laughs> all right, Soul Eater is, is set in a world. It's kind of like Harry Potter a little bit, but instead of wizards, there are people that can turn into weapons, and they partner with people who wield those weapons, and then the sort of wavelengths of their spirits can resonate, so they become powerful partnerships. They go to a school called DWMA, where they learn how to fight the best together. And the school is uh, the Dumbledore of the school is this um, guy named Lord Death, who is literally just like the Grim Reaper embodiment of Death. But he's kind of cutesy and funny and um, sort of a, a goofy character. So he's not as anticipated as uh, intimidating as that would kind of make him sound. Um, the characters fight against these, um, demons called Kishin, and they basically are, uh, people who have corrupted themselves by devouring other human souls, and the Meisters will go around and take out the Kishin because they're evil and they will harm people, and then it turns out that the weapons are able to eat the Kishin souls to get stronger, there are also witches in this world who have similar kind of evil proclivities and who have um, souls that can be devoured by the weapons, and that also makes them stronger, but you have to do it in a specific order. So our main yeah. heroes are a couple of uh, groups, since this is all a partnership show. So the main main hero is named Maka, and her partner is named Soul, who can turn himself into a giant scythe. Um, she is our main character, but she actually doesn't do a lot in this episode. The main thing that you need to know is that she is kind of estranged from her father. Then our other main character is going to take center stage this time. And one of them is probably super happy about that because that is Blackstar, who is a very conceited, um, sort of fame-seeking, fame-loving, I-am-the-best type character who has ninja abilities um and his partner is a girl named Subaki who has the unique ability to transform herself into a couple of different types of weapon which is pretty rare usually you just do the one and then the other one is a character named Kid or Death the Kid that is Lord Death's uh son and Death the Kid has a sort of anime overblown style of um, OCD where he wants everything to be symmetrical and in order and as such he does not have one partner he has two a pair of twins named Liz and Patty who can turn themselves into identical guns um, the partners Blackstar Kid and their partners are going after some witches and a werewolf in order to stop them from reviving a demon lord so one of those witches is named Medusa. She is actually locked in battle with one of their professors named Stein. Um, but her underlings, Eruka, a witch with kind of frog tadpole powers, and the werewolf Free, who is immortal and has a witch eye implanted in his head to allow him to do magic, are racing forward to the place where a demon named Osura is being held captive underneath the school in a bag made of his own skin. They want to inject him with this black blood so that he will revive and sort of spread madness across the world. And that picks up at episode 22. Yeah, so episode 22 is going to pick up and it's called The Seal's Shrine, The Immortal Man's Tricks. 
Um, this episode is is mostly uh, it it does a little bit of like backpedaling at the very start to like explain who and what has just happened. Um, basically, that you need to know that Maka is just uh, ostensibly beaten um, uh, her her person that she's fighting against. Um, I I still want to say he, but we'll just say Krona. Um, because, uh, Krona, the character is, um, is kind of, uh, like, I don't know, a, 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 kind of gender know. neutral <laughs> Krona. We talked about this a lot. We before. went in depth. <laughs> Basically, Krona doesn't have specific gender to pronounce in Japanese, which is not atypical in Japanese when you're just kind of using a pronoun. It doesn't necessarily have a gender attached to it. Yeah. And you kind of clarify that with other words that are frequently missing with Krona. Krona, I think, has a lot of traits from both genders that are fairly sort of stereotypically assigned to those genders in these types of anime. So it is intentionally ambiguous. The creator has confirmed that it's intentionally ambiguous. It is most most correct probably to use they pronouns with Krona just because yeah. that ambiguity is intentional. But he is used in the dub, so we might oscillate. Yeah, so we're not going to hear much about that, though, because Corona is going to be quickly phased out of this episode. Um, the only thing that really happens in this is that um, when Corona is going to be caught up by Black Star before Black Star passes, um, uh, we're going to see that uh, that uh, Corona um, or does Black Star passing? No, it's just Corona and Maka and Soul, right? Yeah, they already Maka passed and them. Last time. Yeah. So basically the storyline with them is over. But in case we mention them, you know yeah. who we're talking about. So yeah. last time... The only Krona thing you overcome, really need to know... What? The only thing you really need to know is that um, it, it really seems like the the demon sword that is inside of Krona is far weakened. And Krona is going to stand up for themselves. Um, uh, in, in the face of the demon soul or the demon sword... Um, which is really cool, um, and it's a, a good part of this. Um, the other thing that's really important about this, too, is that Maka, when she resonated, um, she healed her wounds as the black blood left her body. Um, and uh, they talk about it much later on inside of these episodes, but they're going to mention something about an executioner, um, or no, it's a, uh, not an executioner, but um, uh, like an exorcism um, aura, resonated around her um which is something that is very interesting to the show and we'll talk about much later on but yes yeah. they mentioned and, uh, it for the first time here we'll also find out that corona's uh, so uh, corona has been kind of on the path to turning themselves into a kishin and uh that's of course by devouring human souls or specifically by having their weapon devour human souls but the weapon is their own blood so it's a little connected um, and they, they'll note later on that the Kishin transformation seems to have been stopped and purified. Um, so that'll yeah, be relevant. Which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, um, <laughs> Death the Kid uh, and his partners are going to run into the werewolf who shoots like a big blast of like a cannon blast down the hallway. Um and they, they managed to dodge it. And one of my favorite parts about this is that Liz and Patty are just like, 
oh, it's a good thing that he hasn't noticed that it's completely asymmetrical all around here. Yeah. So as long as he doesn't notice that, there's no problem. And then just like as soon as they mention it, he's just like, oh, God, that pillar is supposed to go with another pillar over here but it doesn't go he's like, it's like they're he's, like in, in this room of rubble and he instead of focusing on the fight is focusing on like which part of the rubble would complete that rubble over there and where was it supposed <laughs> to be and it's great but it, it also kind of makes sense because he's he's shooting at free but the bullets are just passing through free and he's completely immune to these attacks but he's also just there to prevent death the kid from proceeding on and stopping their plan so he's not Mm -hmm. actually attacking them as long as they don't go past a certain kind of line in the sand as it were and so kid has the time to sort of freak out without needing to pay attention he also has a part where he like looks around the room and he sees like a stat like a disembodied statue head that's just like laying there and he's like, Where does this statue head go to? And then he looks at another statue and it's like this weird weird pig monster. Yeah. And he's just like, What kind of demon is this? I don't even know what that is. It's so great. <laughs> so he is kind of spiraling out of control and he is not listening to his guns pleas for help but luckily black star is coming along to help out specifically by running into the back of his head (laughs) yeah and black star is just gonna be like i took him down and then he's like oh it's kid death the kid okay you're okay okay and then he that focuses him him up a little bit, but then he points out, Liz and Patty point out to Death the Kid that the werewolf only has one ball and chain on his left foot and not his right, and he focuses on him instead because he's just like, oh my god, he's so unsymmetrical. So, yeah, he focuses on the fight. And then he starts to, like, he, he does this whole resonance, fires it at him, it doesn't affect him, he shoots his bullets, it doesn't affect him. Blackstar then like goes to stab him and it like goes through him and then Death the Kid like gets it and then Black this he notices that he's like if I walk up to him and just press through him it's just an illusion and Blackstar is just like oh and he's just like how did you not notice this when you stabbed him <laughs> with your sword and he's he's like oh no I just thought that I'm so powerful it just goes through and he's like okay I get it. <laughs> That you didn't know, but how did you not know Subaki? And Subaki's like, I thought he just really improved. And he's like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Does he it say is. something about like, wow, love really makes you blind or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically, Death did not notice that his bullets were passing through free without just attributing it to a bullet immunity, essentially. And that's how Kid fights. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I don't know how to get past this guy. But because because Free was trying to dodge Blackstar's attacks, even though he hadn't tried to dodge Kid's attacks, it kind of tipped him off that something was amiss. And basically, Free is an illusion being projected by the real Free and was trying to dodge Blackstar's attacks so that they wouldn't figure out exactly what they figured out, which is that he's an illusion. Uh, also, side note, I every time I watch the, the Soul Eater now, I watch the dub... And I am just like re-starstruck that we got to interview Brittany Karbowski, who is doing a great job as Black Star here. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Free and Erica get into Asura's room, 
Um, and they start to uh, straight up have crazy hallucinations, which is one of the most terrifying things that has happened in this show so far. Um, so uh, one of the things that happens inside of this is that uh, uh, Erica is going to hallucinate that she has been attacked by Asura, who opens up his face and bites her face and then rips it off and spins it around his own face. And then Free is going to go to try to help Erica, um, but instead of actually helping her, he's just going to see that she has Asura's face now, and he's going to get his own face ripped off, and then he's going to start to die inside of this world, which is horrifying to him, because he's like, I can't die, I'm immortal, and it's the most terrifying thing to him. And then it cuts back to reality, and Free is like halfway through cutting his own head off, and Erica is like holding a blade to her neck, and little trickles of blood are running down. It is so crazy and it's also it's really well done the animation in the show is really high quality and beautiful so you get a lot of good flowing things and it doesn't feel like they're cutting corners like it does in a lot of other shows and Mm. it allows you to have this kind of creepy flowing movement as the sort of vision of asura is like biting and pulling the skin off of their faces it becomes this long almost ribbon-like string of skin and it works really Mm. well because they're animating it really well and with high quality and it also it's really really well directed because at the beginning you don't realize that it's a vision and it becomes more and more not absurd but you know like i mean the fact that he kind of like bites at erica's face and starts to rip her skin off is it was like so upsetting and revolting but then the fact that he like rips it and it becomes this long ribbon of skin is when you start to realize that something is up and Mm -hmm. it becomes clear that it's a vision and then when it cuts back to reality of them trying to off themselves without realizing what they're doing it's it's really clear that it was a vision and it's clear what's happening and that is thanks i think to the directing yeah so this leads into episode 23 dead or alive the rift between revival and dazzlement um this episode we're going to see a lot of fighting between stein and medusa um it's a really cool back and forth um that's going to reach like a tipping point at the very end of the episode um there's just this fantastic back and forth between the two um stein is going to realize that he is telegraphing his fighting moves um by not having enough like killer instinct and like removing his you know his own brain from the equation um and medusa is predicting it so well that she just it's like a play thing to her to fight against him um there's going to be a tightening of this fight where Um, Stein is going to completely throw himself into the moment um, and land a a decisive blow on Medusa and release his his soul sutures inside of her so that he can hold her steady. Um, But then it just becomes a standoff that uh, Stein is standing there while he has to completely focus and uh, and his scythe has to completely focus at the same time, spirit, um, because if they don't, if they lose their focus, they will um, lose control of Medusa's soul, um, and then she will just completely decapitate Stein, who is 
at the edge of one of her blades. Yeah, it it from... reminds me a lot actually of Shikamaru from Naruto because yeah. he has a really cool power whose effect is to immobilize his opponents, but it also every time he uses it, it always seems like okay, now what? Like you've got them mm-hmm. immobilized, but specifically with Shikamaru, they're kind of mirroring his actions and so he often finds that he doesn't have the energy to keep them immobilized and doesn't have the ability to take them out while keeping them immobilized. And that, that is really similar to the situation. You also mm-hmm. get some backstory on Stein and it's not again, referencing Naruto. It is not Naruto style where it takes an entire episode or two. It's a, a real quick flashback that basically shows that Stein, which we kind of know about him already he is something of a sadistic dude. He actually is going to reveal very explicitly that he has a an almost compulsive desire to dissect and dismember living people um, out of, I guess, a sort of morbid scientific curiosity. And essentially, this is relevant because Asura, who is waking up, is sending out these waves of madness. And they are really affecting stein because he's already kind of borderline mad and he admits to us and i believe to medusa that he is one of the good guys because he his madness was not as as strong as his fear of what he could become and so that Mm -hmm. turned him to the side of good but it also Mm -hmm. kind of gives you this like i don't know what's going to happen with him because he is sort of teetering on the edge of just becoming this insane axe murderer and these waves of madness are emanating out from this powerful demon and who knows which direction this could go. Yeah. So they, uh, the other characters are going to arrive at, uh, Asura, um, just before, uh, Iroka stabs the needle full of black blood into Asura, um, or Asura's weird flesh bag. Right. Um, and, uh, and, uh, uh, Death the Kid is going to start shooting at Free, which holds him immobilized because if he doesn't, if he gets out of the way, then it's going to shoot Erica. Erica is going to be um, battling back and forth between uh, Black Star, um, who is using his demon sword form to fight against um, fight against her. He gets knocked around by one of the gigantic tadpoles right as Erica can't get the needle into Asura's flesh bag. Um, but as uh, Blackstar goes to cut the needle in half. Um, apparently, he 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 does it, and he's like, "Great, it, I was I destroyed it. Everything is fine." He's also then, supposed to be uh, immune to the madness hallucinations because his sixth sense really sucks, according to the dub version of him, at least. Um, so he he should not be able to pick up on the madness emanating out from Asura because he's just not mm. that observant. <laughs> Yeah, but in this moment that he is using the full power of his sword, he loses control for just a second and hallucinates. In this moment, it's the same moment he is striking forward, and instead of just cutting the needle in half, he also cuts a gigantic pillar in half that is uh, one of the things that is keeping Asura from escaping from his his like tomb. It's one of the things that ke- that's keeping him sealed, and because of that... Um, Asura is going to um, start to awaken and uh, we get the first horrifying moments of seeing a skin bag of a man come together 
Um, and it's it's really creepy and uh, it's another very much. It's another good example of high quality animation going really far. This might make some people bulk, even you, Spencer, potentially. But I was watching watching this flesh bag turning into a human sequence reminded me a little bit of a Miyazaki film. It's mm. not quite that high quality, of course, because those films are like high quality is like the bread and butter that they are trafficking in. But like the animation animation quality is high enough, and the the movement is fluid and detailed enough that it definitely kind of evoked that for me and it is horrifying yeah it 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 it, you saying that sort of reminded me of um the transformation moment is reminiscent of like the transformation moment of like um of spirited away where the people are turning into pigs oh, yeah. um, or when the uh, no face is uh, starting to like devour everything inside of the building. Yeah. It's just that like grotesque style, but at the same time, beautiful animation quality. Right. It's like a, a weird juxtaposition. That's just like, I know that it's, a mu- it's, you know, it's amazing that I'm watching this, but at the same time, it's terrible. Yeah. It's, Another it's example of this. That, and, and yeah. Yeah, most people have seen Spirited Away, but I mean, if you haven't seen it, you definitely should. But if you haven't seen that, you've probably seen Akira. And what it's going to remind you of as well is um, when the, um, the the main character that is the the uh, antagonist of the entire story. Um, I don't want to give too much away in case somebody hasn't seen Akira, but there is a moment where he is transforming at the end. And if you've seen the movie, you know what I mean. And it's a lot like that. It is. It's very yeah, that's a really, really smart comparison to make. It's mm-hmm. not yeah. on quite that grand of a scale, but it has that kind of like, I don't like what's happening here feeling in you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, let's the, shoot him with a big laser from space. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, hallucination here is really well done as well. It's another good mark of directing, but also of storytelling because they fake you out. At first, it looks like the heroes have won because we are basically seeing what Black Star is seeing, which is that he has cut the black blood syringe before it could be injected properly, and then it kind of cuts away to the Medusa Stein fight. Um, And in fact, this is the moment when Stein kills Medusa. But during this moment, you see that, like, they both realize that Asura is awakening, which is shocking because you just saw him being prevented from awakening. And then it cuts back to them and you get this reveal that, like, that was a hallucination. You actually cut the bonds that were holding him, essentially, and the syringe was not destroyed it was injected without problem yeah so it's a very kind of crazy moment inside of the show but it leads into um one of my favorite episodes of the show in its entirety which is a big thing to say because the show is fantastic um but this episode is is really really good and it has one of my favorite fight scenes inside of it of the entire show uh this is episode 24 the battle of the gods death city on the verge of collapse um asura is going to take out both all, all three of the different scythe meisters very very easily he is going to um immediately take out black star 
by just emitting his aura at him and it hits Blackstar and you see it just wash over him for a second and then he just slams into the wall. Yeah, it looks and like then, his forehead collapses. It doesn't, but it yeah. has that visual. Yeah, and then he like snaps his skin forward and it like taps Death the Kid on the forehead and it leaves the mark of like one of his eyes on his forehead and then Death the Kid like snaps back and then slams into the ground after his nose starts bleeding. There's also and then, this moment that I didn't write that happens before this where Asura kind of stands up and is this like thin, almost emaciated, very skinny. His skin hasn't settled over his face quite yet, so he's kind of faceless just like amorphous skin human form and he like walks right up to erica and just fucking screams and it i was like oh god as soon as that happened it was just so upsetting yeah it's it's very it's really upsetting yeah this character is going to be a very upsetting character every time you see him inside of the show which is it is not just this yeah because his Uh, thing is that he is kind of insane and his aura spreads insanity so for him to be unsettling is perfect yeah um, meanwhile, upstairs, Stein and Medusa are still locked in the heat of battle. But in the moment when Asura awakes, Medusa loses concentration for a split second. And in that moment, Stein slices her in half. It is a fantastic moment. Um, we uh, we get to see inside of that the previous episode and going into this episode, they all kind of run together, which is something that's really well done inside of the show. These three episodes sort of felt like one long episode and told in a really beautiful way. Um, but the most brilliant and horrifying part of like the Medusa fight is that the snakes that are living inside of her are like these big arrows when her blood like falls down from the air it looks like arrows everything that comes out of her looks like arrows it's really like very stylized and beautiful and terrible and horrifying at the same time which is like a really Um, succinct description of soul eater just in general and also it looks like uh fire force as well because i read about half of the first chapter of that when i was at Barnes and noble the other day yeah, it's great. Anyways, um, uh, so Maka also tries to um, he she tries to stop uh, Asura from going up out of the ground, um, and she is unable to. She gets knocked out almost immediately, um, and then begins my favorite of the fights inside of the show that we are going to go over today. Um, if you wanted to, if you're one of those people that wants to take a moment and rewatch some of the badassness. Um, go look up uh, Death versus Asura, um, and you'll be able to find it on YouTube very easily. Um, it is a fantastic back-and-forth fight um, between these two incredibly, incredibly powerful weapons, uh, or people. Um, one of them has a weapon that he spits out of his mouth and stabs at Death. Um, Death, instead, is just going to fight with his big, giant white hands and, like, slap down Asura a bunch of times. Yeah. They use a whole bunch of different abilities on each other, which is really cool. Death also has whole... these, like, Iron Man jets coming out around him to keep, help him fly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is so... It's just the style of this show is one of my favorite things. I just love it. And yeah. um, it, as a reminder, if you don't remember or you haven't been around, Death is the person who imprisoned asura a long time ago basically because he saw what he was becoming and he 
imprisoned him by ripping all of his skin off and fashioning a bag out of it to hold the rest of Asura inside. So there's mm-hmm. a little bit of bad blood there between the two of them. And <laughs> Death also, when Asura first confronts him, they have a really quick conversation. Um, it's very anime where they're like two super powerful beings that are, you know, mortal enemies. And they have this kind of friendly, quick chat that sounds almost like small talk friends catching up. And one of the things they reveal is that Lord Death's face and voice are not what they used to be. Lord Death used to have a super scary mask and be much more of like a shonen badass than the goofy character that he is these days. And his voice used to be kind of a, a normal badass shonen character voice instead of this sort of high-pitched goofy thing. And what he reveals is that he <laughs> changed his face and his voice because he wanted to create the weapon academy that he is now the headmaster of. And he was having trouble connecting with the kids that he wanted to train because he was too scary. And so he has like yeah. intentionally put on this goofy exterior to uh, to help with his, I don't know, image so that people aren't afraid of him and will come study under him. But he is still the super scary, very powerful Lord of Death underneath. Yeah. And it's it is very apparent. And I just, oh my gosh. <laughs> Just when, when, like the the moment when he's just like, um, he's just like, yeah, I was scaring all the kids away, <laughs> and like cuts over to him like chasing a child, a weeping like, child. Oh, God. <laughs> oh my God, it's so, so great. Good. <laughs> okay, yeah. So the culmination of this episode, though, is that um, Lord Death is uh, going to be holding his own. Um, he realizes that he can't completely take down Asura um, by himself, so he's going to have to have his death scythe. Um, but what he doesn't realize is that Asura also has figured out that if he goes a certain distance out of uh, Death City, that he is not going to be affected by Death's powers, and that is exactly what happens. Death is going to summon his one of his final abilities to use on Asura, and it's going to bounce off of an invisible force field, which just happens to be the edge of the the uh the barrier that death has set up and Osir is just like i don't know if i'm gonna see you again death but uh bye and he just flies off yeah death <laughs> has basically bound himself to the school which ironically he did in order to serve as a protector and binding agent to keep Osira from reawakening which Osira then of course uses to his advantage here but it also it's one of those great moments where it's like a lot of the times the hero is actually stronger than the villain but the hero has to worry about other things. You know, this is that sort of like classic comic book trope of like, you know, I'm going to beat you by putting the civilians nearby in danger. And so you can't fight me because you have to worry about them. And my strength as the villain is that I don't worry about the civilians. And that's what makes me a villain and what gives you a weakness that I can exploit. And it's kind of similar to that, but also it's like, it feels like Lord Death would kill Asura right now. Not that it's not a curb stomp battle. Osir is definitely holding his own and does injure Lord Death a little bit, but like Lord Death should win here, except for this kind of loophole that is being uh, manipulated, uh, kind of fourth wall breaking. It's so that the story can continue and doesn't end right now. But also in universe, it's 
it's really clever to show you that like Osiris super strong, but he has not fully revived yet and he needs time to get ready and it gives him an excuse and an ability to get away because Lord Death is kind of the only one strong enough to stop him and he's not able to. Yeah. So Osiris gets away. Uh, Lord Death is going to just kind of like be annoyed. And uh, meanwhile, uh, Medusa is getting re-stabbed by Stein and it looks like she is finally dead. Um, but then at the very end of this episode, we see a snake escaping. Yeah. Um, he kills well her twice and it doesn't and work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Free and the frog woman, Erica, are also going to escape from the city. Um, that leads into episode 25, the Death Scythe convene, the Death Scythes convene, stop dad's staff reassignment. Um, this episode is filler in the best way. Um, it is going to really, really, uh, uh, tell you one thing and that's basically it. Um, the one thing is that there are other death sites and they are converging onto the school. Um, there are four of them, in fact, that are going to come to the, or three that are going to come, one that is already there, which is going to be Spirit. Um, they're all very interesting characters. And then there's, we find out that there's four other death signs, um, but they're not going to (laughs) come. Yeah. Because... Some of them reasons. are like, we're busy. Yeah, some of them are like, we're busy. Some of them are actually busy. And one of them is the one in Africa. And they're like, they're not taking our calls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's really great. But it's also, this is definitely the, there's kind of like the calm before the storm. And then there's also the calm after the storm. Where like, when you're telling a story, you'll have these big crescendos of action or tension or whatever it is that your story's doing. And then usually that'll be at, at what's called an act break. And then the the pace and the tension and stuff will kind of go back down to a something of a reset level. And this episode is that reset so that we're moving into the next phase of the story. Um, but it's kind of directly following on from... It's it's the, the denouement sort of of everything that's happened in the last few episodes. So that's why we're including it here. Um, the death size that come to the DWMA, one of them, I don't think she was named in the episode, at least not in the dub version. I had to look it up, but uh, essentially Lord death is going to give them each an assignment. And um, Maka's father is the death scythe that Lord death uses and his name's spirit. And he is worried. He does not want to go to this meeting because he thinks that he is going to be fired. Um, Mm -hmm. but it turns out that that's not the case. He is basically being reassigned duty from the perspective of he is being asked not to leave the school as much as possible so that Lord Death can have him around because he was with Stein during the fight and Lord Death didn't have his weapon when he was fighting Asura. And he's not like spirits kind of blaming himself for letting Asura survive and escape, but it doesn't seem like Lord Death is, but he's like, let's make sure that, I'm I'm at full power next time I'm needed, so I need you uh-huh. to stay around here. As such, Stein needs a weapon, and he is going to assign a character named uh, Marie Mjolnir to Stein so that they can uh, partner up, and Stein will have a weapon, um, because Stein's ability is that he can resonate with any weapon. Also, if you uh, are familiar with Norse mythology or with Marvel mythology, Mjolnir is the name of Thor's hammer, and that's where Mm -hmm. Marie gets her name. Yeah. There's also another character named uh, Yumi. Uh, She is a... It's Yumi Asaza, and it 
the Wikipedia summaries for the next episodes kept referring to Asaza, so I, she might go by that. I'm not sure. Mm. They didn't. Say, she's the one they didn't say her name. Yeah, there. This character is is not really going to be paid attention to in this episode. Uh, all it's basically going to find out inside this episode is that um, Marie really wants to get married, and uh, Yumi is just going to give her so much shit for this. Um, <laughs> Marie also <laughs> briefly considers getting married to a toilet. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so Yumi is going to be given, or Asaza, who knows what she's going to be called. Uh, she is going to be given the assignment of um, looking after Marie's territory um, while Marie is assigned to Stein. And also, he, Lord Death says something about using her like long-range vision or something. So I'm like, does she turn into a sniper rifle or something? Uh, mm. But she's going to basically be given the the task of looking for osara and trying to figure out where he is so they can go and take the fight to him and then there's one other um a guy named justin law and he is not going to be given an assignment because he can't keep his earbuds out of his ears and doesn't yes. hear what they're saying to him because he's listening to music i don't get it <laughs> why was he involved in this i <laughs> i know he will be in the in the episodes that we cover next time we talk about soul eater but like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Anyways, um, meanwhile, everybody is playing basketball and just trying to have a good time and trying to decompress um, because they just had this huge mission that they failed at. Um, they have a little bit of difficulty uh, kind of coming to terms with this, uh, especially Maka, who's just like mired down in her own like kind of despair. Um, we're also going to see that uh, Corona has been taken into custody um, and they're trying to figure out what to do with Corona specifically. And the last thing that's going to happen in this episode, which is the funniest joke, is that Maka's just like, hey, uh, Dad, I want to spend the day with you. And then he just vomits from happiness. <laughs> it's so weird. It's really <laughs> funny, though. And everybody's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Um, that's the end of that episode. There's one thing they talk about during the episode, which is basically what is, what does it mean that Asura is awake now? And we mm -hmm. mentioned a few times that he emits an aura of madness and they basically are like, what's going to happen is that right now his aura is not that strong. It will grow in power over time. What's going to be the effect right now is that there are some enemies that we have not faced in a long time who are going to be reinvigorated and they're going to come back. So there's going to be problems from people that we had defeated a long time ago and haven't had to worry about for a while. In addition, there are latent witches whose powers will awaken and that could cause additional problems. And then eventually his madness aura will extend out across the world and it will cause, uh, it will affect nature so that there will be natural disasters and it will cause mass hysteria among the people. They won't be affected yet, but it's coming. And this yeah. is a problem, and we have to deal with it. And we're going to figure out how they start to deal with it the next time we talk about Soul Eater. Yeah, so stick with us after these credits, and we will talk about the other show that we're going to be covering next week. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level six sound wizard. Level up. Our podcast is ad free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B and S Get Jumped. 
Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Blake and Spencer get jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every Sunday on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Buzzsprout, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And hey, thanks for listening. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto episodes 115 through 117. Yeah, we're going to learn that spider people are people just like you and me, except for they have six arms and two legs um so they're not just like you and me <laughs> <laughs>